This is Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you on the home of world football here in Southern California. And what a show we have. What's on tap, you might ask? Well, what's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly is sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life. Drink good beer. And we are absolutely loaded for beer. Uh, See what I did there? On this show, LAFC took on Portland last night. The second meeting between those two clubs in just four days. This one last night was for the U.S. Open Cup. And, oh, craziness ensued first of all the game was mayhem then there was a protest and then Adama Diamande talked about what happened to him on the pitch on Instagram we have all of that plus we've got Tim Howard coming on the show the great U.S. men's national team goalkeeper Colorado Rapids keeper now has had so many memories Howard has been one of the guys quite frankly over the years who have just been you know a mainstay with U.S. soccer, quite frankly. And uh, if that's not enough, we've got the great Man United's Dennis Irwin. This is Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. Take two. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Well, if you didn't hear me the first time, it's sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com right now to see what's on tap in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer. Embrace Great stories, and we have a great story of LAFC getting to the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. That's what's on tap. We'll talk about that, but that's not even really the story. Adama Diamande talking about what happened to him on the pitch. We will talk about that on the show. The Timbers then protest their loss, and the game itself was absolutely magical. LAFC holding on in a hotly contested game, a 3-2 victory. Plus, we've got a Tim Howard interview. Yeah, how about talking with one of the greatest goalkeepers in the history of U.S. soccer? And... Oh, by the way, how about a Man United legend joining us later in the show? The great Dennis Irwin. If that's not enough, we've got Black and Gold Breakdown with the director of LAFC's Academy, Todd Saldana. We are loaded for bear here on the show. And we're going to jump right in with what happened at the U.S. Open Cup game. This was the second match between LAFC and Portland at the Bank of California Stadium in four days. So things were already heated. You know, familiarity brings contempt, right? That's the old saying. And it was getting hot, and it was getting heavy between these two sides. And things were going crazy on the pitch, no doubt. It was physical. It was a battle. It was brutish. It was also very skilled, and it was a good game. But that really takes a back seat now after what happened during the match and then after the match. First and foremost, Adama Diamande, the uh, awesome forward for LAFC who's been red hot, he took to Instagram after the game and said that he was called racial slurs by a player on the Timbers. Yeah. Well, MLS is conducting an investigation. This is the last word I've gotten. They're conducting an investigation. They will hopefully have a verdict on that, including a fine and suspension for the offending player in the next day or so. And there is no tolerance for this, of course. No doubt. Not only with the 3252 in the stadium, they don't tolerate it. The organization obviously doesn't, and MLS doesn't tolerate it. So they do not uh, tolerate the racist, abusive language at all at Bank of California Stadium and around the league, without a doubt. And they're going to hopefully bring the hammer down on that in terms of uh, fine and suspension and a punishment for that. There's just no place for it in our game, and there's no place for it in civilized society. So I'm glad Adama Diamande, Diamande spoke out about it because, you know, he's new. 
He's new to the, uh, the the league. He's you know maybe he's a little bit potentially you know you never know if you're maybe a little shy about situations. Well, he spoke out immediately, and that's great. And uh, let's hope that uh, MLS comes down firm on that. And uh, again, within the next day or so, LAFC expects to hear about that from the uh, what happens to the Timbers player now. It goes beyond that. Forget, not forget that, but like forgetting the score of the game, the Portland Timbers afterwards, they lost 3-2, but forget that. They filed a protest about the roster situation. Now, some of you have read about it, I'm sure. Some of you are hearing it for the first time. LAFC wins the game 3-2. Afterwards, Portland files a protest about the international roster spots. Apparently in USOC, you can only have five international players on the roster of 18. One of the reasons maybe Joao Moutinho wasn't on the roster or uh, Andre Horta, who's still trying to come back from a little bit of a quad strain, it's always safer. He's an international player. You only get five anyway. You keep him off the roster for the night. Well, uh, Portland felt that there was seven players from LAFC who may have been internationals on the roster and not five. Well, Dejan Yakovic has a green card, as I'm told. So that that was nothing. So it came down to Mark Anthony Kay, who, of course, is Canadian. He's a Canadian citizen. And here's the issue. He does not count on the MLS roster as an international roster slot because he's considered an MLS homegrown international player, right? He came up through Toronto FC, Canadian young kid, came up as an MLS homegrown international player. Again, doesn't count as an international spot. Well, U.S. soccer, some rules are different, but U.S. soccer also considers him a domestic player for the Open Cup. LA received, LAFC received written documentation, I'm told, that Mark Kennedy K was a domestic player. He's actually listed on the official U.S. Soccer Open Cup roster as a domestic player. I have the rosters from last night here on my phone, in fact, and I'm taking a look at a picture of it right now. And as you go along a certain column, there's international, INT. Of course, it's INT over Marco Arena's name. Uh, INT right next to Carlos Vela, of course. Diego Rossi is listed as an INT. Joao Moutinho, who did not play and was not on the 18-man roster, INT, international. Well, for Dejan Yakovic, there's no international. He, of course, has the green card. And right next to Mark Anthony Kay's name, as I look at it, there's no INT listed. So, uh, and LAFC, they got the documentation. They requested that. So they have to sit and wait now. U.S. Soccer will conduct a quote-unquote investigation. But according to LAFC, they don't expect the forfeit or any other repercussions from this. And they believe they'll play Houston in the semifinals. That's guaranteed. It's just a matter of what date and where the location will be. Well, According to U.S. Open Cup, or at least as far as I can see, the U.S. Open Cup committee or whatever, they're going to meet on this and not have a ruling until officially until the weekend. So it's still in limbo officially, but LAFC does not feel like there's anything going forward that's going to cause them to be bumped from this competition or the protest is going to be accurate or the protest is going to go through or anything like that. So fear not. LAFC fans. I mean, I, again, I'm looking right at the roster from last night's game that was put forth by the U.S. Open Cup, the U, you know U.S. Soccer, and it looks fine to me. It, and, and, uh, so it looks like that'll be fine, and we just wanted to get you an update of that because I know a lot of people are concerned about it. I know Jeff Carlisle was saying the same thing from ESPN. He had it on his Twitter, had the roster sheet, as I do here on my phone as I get uh, before the game. So it looks like it's going to be fine. Bottom line here. So that is all shaping up to be good. The game itself was just magical. It was truly, truly a great game. And I don't say that lightly. It was a fantastic game of football. Now, it was chippy, and it was rugged, and it was harsh, and it was rough. 
there's no doubt about that, but it was also very skilled. There was some amazing goals in that game. And the two teams really went at each other. This was a this was a legit open cup game that was worthy of a winner moving forward to get to the semis and send somebody home. It was that kind of game. And LAFC got it done at home. 3-2 the final. They had a 3-1 lead. Then immediately Portland pinged one back like within a minute. And then LAFC kind of managed to hang on in the second half. It was 2-1 at halftime LAFC. It was a great game, without a doubt. So good to see LAFC moving forward into the semis. And uh, I do want to take a, a, a moment now. It's time for our L.A. Care Injury Report. This health report on Soccer Weekly, sponsored by L.A. Care, is the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. L.A. Care is elevating health care in the city of Angels. L.A. Care, for all of L.A., lacare.org. Now, the injury report for LAFC, pretty straightforward. Luis Lopez, who had that tibial stress fracture, he's actually out playing on loan at Orange County Soccer Club. You still have Quillen Roberts trying to recover from a, a, a leg fracture as well. Eduardo Tuesta has that ankle sprain. He is out. And we're still waiting for Andre Hort, who is kind of nursing a quad. Still hasn't, uh, I don't think he's necessarily 100%, but again, he's been working out on the sidelines with the training staff. I saw him at practice. He's trying to give it a go in that sense. I think they're being very cautious on that. For LA Galaxy, Sebastian Legette still has that uh, ankle injury. Still kind of questionable there. No official designation, so we'll wait and see what happens with that as well. That's your L.A. Care injury report. Still to come, one of the greatest goalkeepers in the history of U.S. soccer, Tim Howard, is going to join us next, right here on the home of world football in Southern California. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN L.A. 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. And we are pleased and excited to have with us today on the show the uh, great U.S. men's national team goalkeeper. Also plays for the Colorado Rapids in MLS, Tim Howard. Tim, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Tim, let me ask you something. Of course, obviously the World Cup just finished. We all had to live through that pain of the U.S. not being there, you more than us, of yes, course. Uh, more than others, yes. But it was an awesome World Cup. How did you experience this World Cup? It was. It was awesome. It was, you know, to see all the big names and big teams uh, almost fail and, and not make it to the really late stages uh, was exciting. I think it's exciting for U.S. soccer, right, because people always ask the question, when are we going to win a World Cup? And I think I think we're now closer than, than we've probably ever been based on some of these results. Yeah, I, I would agree. It was a fascinating World Cup that way. I, I actually I couldn't watch the draw in December because we weren't there, and I was so upset. And I, I wondered how I would handle the World Cup, but I was I was enthralled. It was just that amazing. So uh, that really made me hopeful for the future, believe it or not. I, was, I feel the same way. I was watching it saying, you know, the U.S. can win this thing. And that's the beauty of the game that you know so well. We are talking with the veteran goalkeeper, Tim Howard, who's had so many memories with the U.S. men's national team. Of course, 2014 World Cup was uh, right up there near the top. But, Tim, let me ask you, what stands out? Now, you're a man who's at uh, the tail end of his career, let's be frank. You know, you've had so many great years. Yeah, so many great years in the game. What are the one or two things that stands out for your career? Uh, You know what, I get asked that question quite a lot, particularly as I come to the end. And, you know, I'm I'm fortunate because I've had more than one or two. Um, You know, I think think, uh, the memory against Belgium and the World Cup and having – um, arguably the performance of my life on such a big stage sticks out for me. Um, you know, probably my, my, my move from MLS to Manchester United, which is kind of the beginning of, of my career yeah. is special. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say that uh, that's right up there, I would imagine. But uh, your time at Everton was a, a dynamic as well. I fell in love with Everton, watching you play there for sure. That was awesome. Let me ask you about this Colorado Rapids team, Tim, because I, I've noticed over the last month, month and a half, the performances are getting better, frankly. You know, now you're not always winning games. Maybe you pick up a draw here and there, but it sure. seems like this team is playing a lot better over the last six, seven weeks. Is that Am I seeing that right? It's very accurate. Listen, here's the thing. We changed our entire coaching staff, more than half of our roster, yeah. and we have a very dynamic coach who who plays an intricate brand of football. And, uh, you know, this is something that's going to take time. Nobody wants in professional sports wants to give you time, and we understand that. But the fact of the matter is we are playing better. Uh, this system is still fresh. You know, we're, we're four to six months into this thing, mm-hmm. and you can see when we get it right, it's very good. Yeah, and you're adding a guy like Giles Barnes. I think that helps immensely. That's exactly what you need, it seems, for this team to take to, to take that next step up. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I think we need some. I think I think we need some some guile and some gumption up front. I think if you look across the board in MLS, uh, most MLS teams have a have a pretty solid to average uh, defense, and the money makers are up front. Yeah. And that's you know we need to bring in some guys with, uh, with a bit of flair and, and pizzazz and uh, kind of a take no prisoners attitude up front. And so we're doing that. We're talking with the uh, U.S. men's national team veteran, the great goalkeeper Tim Howard here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Tim, who are some of the goalkeepers that you look at now that are uh, out there that you're like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing in the pipes? Um, yeah, look, I think this league has uh, has always been known to have some uh, pretty good young goalkeepers. You know, a guy who, who I think uh, around the league everyone considers him to be one of the best is Tim Melia in yeah. uh in Kansas City. You know, he's a guy who is consistently there, uh, picking up points for his team, rock solid, you know, probably should have been an all-star the last uh, two or three years. So, you know, someone that on the inside everybody knows does the job. Uh, Tim, let me ask you about this uh, thing that uh, we want to talk to you about, and the reason we're having you on, among others, is to talk about something that's coming to Los Angeles. This is Street Soccer USA. The Cup is coming to L.A. on uh, uh, a little bit later. Uh, I think it's in August, actually. We'll get the exact date here from my producer. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about this. You've become involved with this organization. What is uh, Street Soccer USA? Well, look, Street Soccer USA is an organization that wants to basically level the playing field for everyone. Um, you know, in the rest of the world, um, you know, soccer is played in the streets. It's perfected in the streets. And here in America, we have a pay-to-play system, which just doesn't work for everybody. And we're not trying to replace that. We're simply trying to give an alternative uh, to kids who don't have money for registration fees and, and they can't always play by the rules because financially it doesn't work for them. And so uh, we want to create this opportunity, you know, level the playing field, get people excited about watching soccer street. You don't have to go to the stadium and pay all that money all the time. You can... You can also enjoy football on the streets. Well, we're excited for it. It's, it's coming up a month from today, actually, we're roughly, actually the 18th, Saturday the 18th. And the reason we're excited for it, because it's basically right out our window here from where our studios are. It's going to be going on at LA Live here, so we're pumped for that. Uh, I noticed, uh, Tim, you're also involved with uh, something in uh, Memphis, obviously, which is near and dear to you, the USL going in the Memphis there. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we... Uh... We at USL Memphis, we got we got granted our franchise um, about a year ago, and we are currently building the team to to kick off uh, in March of 2019. So it's going to be exciting. The Colorado Rapids are going uh, into face um, um, a team on September 9th, which is going to be our launch. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be pretty cool. You know, like again, we're, 
it's, it's incredible being a part of an organization where you're building a franchise that doesn't actually exist. The piece of paper, it's blank, and you have the opportunity to kind of build that thing. I think that's every sports fan's dream, Tim. Yeah, no doubt about that. But uh, we're talking with Tim Howard, the great goalkeeper from the U.S. men's national team. Uh, Tim, as I look at it, I've talked to Brad Friedel, of course. He's off, to his, uh, he's off and running with his managing career. I've talked to Casey Keller about this. Uh, goalkeepers tend to, when they get finished, if they want to get into management, they, it's like, oh, you're the goalkeeper coach. But that's kind of changing now, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. And, and <clears throat> is that something that you think about in the future? I don't think about coaching. It's not on my radar. Not something I want to do. Um, but <clears throat> goalkeepers make uh, make great coaches. You know, Bruce Arena, um, as we know, uh, was a goalkeeper too. So no, I, I think I think it's just. Football has expanded, and you have to have an open mind on how to play the game. Yeah. And if you can do that, on, at, 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 doesn't matter what position you are. And there's some co- some coaches I have that didn't even play at a high level, but they have a they have a footballing brain and they have a soccer managerial brain, and it works. So the positions don't really matter. Well, again, check it out, fans. StreetSoccerUSA.org. The LA Cup is coming up August 18th. Tim Howard is a big part of that. We at LAFC are also going to be seeing Tim and the Colorado Rapids coming up a few times here the rest of the way, one of them in August. Tim Howard, the great goalkeeper, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us here on Soccer Weekly. I really appreciate your time. Well, we appreciate yours, Tim. Thanks so much again. One of the best that uh, we've ever seen here with the U.S. soccer. Tim Hauer there. And uh, don't forget, check it out, Street Soccer. And he's going to be at L.A. Live coming up uh, in August there. Soccer Weekly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Now, that was a great interview. Love talking with Tim Howard. How about we go to another great, an all-time great for Manchester United, Dennis Irwin, going to join the show. That's coming up. This is Soccer Weekly, and we just roll on here on the home of world football, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, hanging out with you on the home of world football here in Southern California. And joining me now is a legend in the game, former Irish international, played for Manchester United, among a few others, the great Dennis Irwin. Dennis, thanks for taking the time and joining me here. No problem at all. Dennis, uh, first got to ask you, obviously we just uh, saw the World Cup wrap up uh, a couple days ago, and what a phenomenal tournament it was. You, of course, are a World Cup veteran for the Republic of Ireland, and what, what were your thoughts on this particular tournament? I thought it was a great tournament. Um, some really good teams, um, a lot of really good attacking play, plenty of goals. Obviously a lot of controversy with this VAR, particularly in the final as well. Um, a great final, a you know, to get a 4-2 result in in a World Cup final is, is great. And uh, yeah, all in all, I think it's been one of the best World Cups I've seen. Uh, I know France in 98 and yeah. and Germany in 2006 were really good. Even I can remember Spain in, in, in 1982 and Argentina. Uh, sorry, Mexico in 1986. So all great World Cup finals, but this one ranks up there with the very best of them, I think. And it is pretty uh, telling that a defender like Dennis Irwin's telling us he likes goals, and he saw a lot of good goals. So you, you knew it must have been good, Dennis. i got to tell you, what were some of the things that stood out? I mean, obviously France, Croatia had a brilliant tournament. Was there any, any other teams or players that stood out for you? Well, I, I obviously... Um live in England, so um, the fact that England got through to the semi-finals was very good for the nation as a whole. Um, but I just thought there were some outstanding teams in there. Yeah. Um, Belgium, I thought, were a little bit unlucky to go out at the semi-final stage against France, having overcome um, Brazil to one in a great match. 
I, you know, I, I thought Croatia were fantastic. The amount of times they actually came back from from a goal down in the tournament and and got to the final and actually played very well in the final mm-hmm. for the best part of fifty or sixty minutes. So we're very unlucky to be behind. Um, France, obviously, um, again, we're in the tougher half of the draw and had to come through against Uruguay and in a particularly great game against Argentina where they won 4-3. So a, a lot of great, great stuff um, in the tournament and a lot of competitive matches. I think there was only one nil little draw as well. I think that was France's draw against Denmark, um, which suited both teams at the time. So just a lot of goals, a lot of controversy with this VAR for the first time in a World Cup situation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of talk about that. But all in all, I think it's been a fantastic World Cup. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. We're talking with Dennis Irwin here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you. And we talk the beautiful game here each and every week. It's a pleasure to talk with the uh, legend Dennis Irwin here. And Dennis, let me ask you, as a defender, you trained and played against and, and with some great forwards in your day. How do you handle a forward like Romelu Lukaku, for instance? Of course, a, you know, a great player in the Premier League, had a great tournament with Belgium. As you yeah. mentioned, they had a fabulous tournament. How do you handle that type of forward? He's just so unique. Well, it, it'd be hard for me. I mean, I played as a fullback. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's just the power and strength of a Romelu that would cause a lot of defenders a lot of problems. Not not just me, but defenders stronger than me. Yeah. He's got pace as well. He's got a knife for a goal, as we know at Manchester United last year. He scored twenty seven goals in his first first season for us, sixteen of them in the Premier League. So he's a powerful, powerful striker. Um I, I personally would rather stay out in the wing and stay well away from him. Mm-hmm. Although saying that you come up against some tricky quick wingers, but uh, he, he he was obviously a a focal point from for um, Belgium and played fantastic. Even though he didn't score um, against Brazil, I thought he played fantastically well in, in a game where I, I I thought it was a fantastic game. Brazil pushing to get back against Belgium, but unfortunately he's coming up short and Belgium going on to win two one. Powerful striker that would be really hard to handle. Well, Dennis, you did mention it. You were up and down the wing certainly uh, with your time in Manchester United. Not afraid to get to, into the attack, which you should playing at the yeah. at the at the back spot like you did. Uh, let me ask you something. The game hasn't really changed. Let's be realistic. It's still uh, the beautiful game, but there are some minor differences, of course, here and there, some tactical things that go on. Yep. How do you feel about the, I guess, the dreaded cliche, like the, the I guess, the, the modern game, if you will? Do you? F- I kind of feel like this World Cup helped reignite me in the sense of I love the way that it, it was played. Do you feel the modern game, though, overall, you know, Champions League, the Premiership, the La Liga, do you feel like it's on the right path? Absolutely, football changes; it evolves. You know, yeah. every every four or five years, there's a new system comes into play. I mean, a lot of teams uh, like England played a, a, a three-five-two, um, three midfielders is very, very popular at the moment. Where you can hit teams on the. I mean, France played with Mbappe and Griezmann mm-hmm. um, as as more or less flying wingers with, with Giroud up front, and uh, unbelievable the fact that France. Mm-hmm won the World Cup and, and Giroud didn't even get a shot on target but <laughs> yeah. because of the, the width and the pace of the width they can play like that England played with um, as I said you know five well three five two where the, the wing backs kind of attack and come into play like that um, there's not many play the traditional four four two mm. two strikers up front um, this day and age but the game evolves and it's still a great game to watch and I think for a lot of lot of fans I think the World Cup has 
has told them that football is still out there and it's still an entertainment industry and it was just a joy to watch. Amen. Um, when I was back there, it was obviously when I played, it wasn't as tactical, mm-hmm. um, probably wasn't as technical. <laughs> I mean, you have to be very, very good on the ball these days. And, and of course, you need that, always need that bit of physicality. So you mix them two together. It's still a great game. It's the biggest game in the world. It's a global game. You know, the Champions League is the, the most watched sporting event, annual sporting event in the world. And, uh, yeah, you, you mean, you get go through phases sometimes where, uh, you know, it doesn't quite happen. Um, but I thought the World Cup has reunited people's passion for football. I've no doubt about that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We're talking with Dennis Irwin, a legend at Manchester United, and, of course, for the Republic of Ireland as well. Now, we mentioned Man United. I'm intrigued, Dennis, and I want to get your thoughts on it because I know it, that has changed dramatically is kind of the preseason training and although, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of the similarities, but a guy like Jose Mourinho loves to come to America. Now, some of that's probably branding, of course, and there's nothing wrong with that. He has many fans here. Man United has thousands and millions of fans here in America and all over the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on making these trips over, playing these fantastic preseason friendlies? And I've seen a lot of them. I've called a lot of them for Fox Sports in my day. Yeah. Frankly, they don't feel like friendlies, Dennis, to uh, People out there working their butts off. I mean, I really have seen some great matches. This one coming up here in Los Angeles against AC Milan. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's um, first and foremost, I mean, I've traveled particularly to the Far East. We did more pre-seasons over that way. I never had the the pleasure of coming to America Mm -hmm. when I was at Manchester United um, for pre-season. I can fully understand why a lot of teams, and and, and I include us, Manchester United, in that come to America today, the facilities are, are second to none. They're, they're, they're fantastic. They really are. Um, the train, so the training that can get done pre-season is, is perfect. It's perfect facilities. The weather's great here in, in, in LA. Um, it's not too humid. It's, it's hot, but it's not too humid. I think it's perfect for, for pre-season training. And of course, you've got the quality of opposition now. I mean, we, we come over, uh, I think it's the second year in a row. We've probably been here four times in the last five, six years. Yeah. The quality of opposition. Um, is this year, you know, we've got AC Milan in, in LA, as you say, you know, we've got Liverpool up in Ann Arbor, um, Real Madrid down in Miami, um, and they're just great matches for the lads to play. A lot of very, very competitive. Um, you get a good um, two or three weeks under your belt over here that will set you up for the start of the season. But we, we, we flew out, of, we, we had a great preseason last season, and we actually flew out of the blocks the first you know, five, six games mm-hmm. um, of the season. And that's what it's all about, getting the players ready for the first day of the season. And that's why teams come to America, because it's an ideal um, preparation. It really is. And as uh, Dennis mentioned, of course, it is coming up here in Los Angeles uh, against AC, yeah, Milan. AC Milan. July 25th. Check that out at 8 o'clock, Mario. Yeah, 8 p.m. I'm intrigued, Dennis, because this is an interesting year uh, for Man United, of course. And, you know, it's it's a it's kind of that transition year. There's a lot is expected every season for Manchester United, but it, this seems like it could be the year where they take that next step back up the table for me. Yeah, I mean, when Sir Alex retired, we, we you know we had a we, we had a two or three difficult seasons. Uh, you know, we struggled to make the top four uh, to get into the Champions League, and and since our present manager Jose Mourinho has come. Obviously, the first season we didn't finish in the top four, but we did manage to win the Europa League and we managed to win the League Cup. Um, so that was a good season. That got us into Europe, and and there was some 
some big improvement last year. I think it's the we we finished obviously finished second, albeit 19 point, points behind it. I got to say a terrific Manchester City mm. um, side last season. Uh, we, we scored more goals and it's the highest points we've had since Sir, Sir Alex retired. So we're heading in the right direction. We need to keep going. We really need to keep going. It's a big season, as you say. It's a very, very competitive Premier League. You look at who finished outside the top four last year. You knew Chelsea and, uh, and Arsenal. You probably wouldn't have said that uh, a couple of seasons ago. But Liverpool are very competitive now. Spurs uh, have been consistent as well. Um, and, of course, City have I'd say played play so well last year, so it's 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 tough. It's very competitive, but we feel like we're on the right track, and we just need to keep going. Well, Dennis, as anybody who knows the game and has been around it a while, I've been watching it for a while. Certainly, you are a legend, not just at Man United, but the Republic of Ireland. What are some of your maybe two or three biggest moments for you as a player? Uh, well, signing for United was, 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 was you know, because I grew up in Ireland and, you know, you're a Celtic fan in Ireland, but also you're either a Liverpool or a United fan. So I, I, I knew how big United were when, when I joined United in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, the my first year at United, we beat Barcelona in a Cup Winners' Cup final in Rotterdam. That was special to me. Um, winning the Premier League um, for the first time in 92-93, that was special. But I think 99, uh, winning the treble and the way we did it, and no English club have, you know, have done it before that or since. And it's just, just, just because the physicality of the English Premier League is such a hard, hard thing to do to win a treble. I mean, City looked like they were they were on for a quadruple this year, but yeah. I think it shows you how hard it is. So that 99 was a special year for me and a special year for Manchester United. And of course, representing your country in the World Cup, I was fortunate enough that I was it was actually in the USA where I represented Ireland and we beat Italy up in up in New Jersey, 1-0 with a Ray Houghton goal, and that was, that was special up there as well. It's always a um, really proud moment when you represent your, your country. So I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have some great moments in football. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I can only look back on it now with, with a lot, a lot of pleasure. Great moments in football from this man, Dennis Irwin. We appreciate the few moments we got a chance to share with you. Manchester United taking on AC Milan here in Los Angeles is already just a few days away, July 25th. Check that out. Certainly the Red Devil fans are going to be there in droves, no doubt. Dennis, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us on Soccer Weekly. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks very much. You bet. Dennis Irwin, the great from Manchester United and the Republic of Ireland. Very cool that he got a chance to play in 94 here in the World Cup, as he mentioned. Because that was what got me started. I say it all the time. That's what got my love of the game started. And I do remember the Republic of Ireland being a big part of that. So... Always fun to talk with legends there. Still to come, we've got stoppage time coming up later. You're going to want to stick around for that, no doubt about it. The great Mario Rees will join me for that. Soccer Weekly, Dave Denholm and you, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Thanks so much to the great Dennis Irwin for joining us. Uh, Manchester United, of course, Man United participating here in their preseason here in the United States. And, of course, Tim Howard earlier on the show as well. Now, if you're just joining us, we talked about it earlier, and I want to get back to it. The Portland Timbers visited LAFC for two straight matches. Sunday was an MLS game that ended nil-nil. It was very hotly contested, literally and figuratively. And then on Wednesday night, last night, at Bank of California Stadium, they played in the U.S. Open Cup. Slightly different lineups for both, but man, was it heated. It was a physical game, and it was a good football match. LAFC winning 3-2 to advance to the semis. Then Portland wants to pump the brakes on it all. Excuse me. And they decided to file a protest based on players 
and how they're internationally set up. So the latest is Mark Anthony K is in question. Wow, excuse me, I'm about to lose myself here. He's in question. He does not count on the MLS roster as an international roster slot because he's considered an MLS homegrown. But what does that mean for the U.S. Open Cup? There are some slightly different rules. So that was essentially the issue. So Portland files the protest. Now LAFC says, look, U.S. soccer considers him a domestic player. That's how he was in the roster. I have the roster on my phone. And I'm crying. I'm weeping over it now. (laughs) I have the roster on my phone. And he is listed as a U.S. soccer eligible player because you're only allowed five internationals. And they already had five. So there's no way they would have done this. If, you know, LAFC is not in the business of trying to cheat, certainly. And they don't want to get, you know, disqualified after the fact. That's ridiculous. So that's a statement from the team. They feel they're in good shape, but U.S. soccer has to conduct an investigation. LAFC does not expect to forfeit or anything like that, so don't worry about that. They're going to play Houston in the semis, but now the draw has been delayed. So U.S. soccer says it could be this weekend. Who knows? Could be LAFC expecting a few days at least for this. So we'll see what happens there. Then, of course, more importantly, Adama Diamande went to Instagram afterwards and said he was called a racial slur by a player during the game from the Timbers. MLS is conducting an investigation. Hopefully they're going to have a verdict, including a fine and suspension for the offending player in the next day or so. So we're waiting on that as well. It was a wild night, to be sure, at Bank of California Stadium. Now, one of the things we like to talk about here, of course, is LAFC, and it's the black and gold breakdown. It's time now for that here on Soccer Weekly. We'd like to get a little deeper into what's going on with LAFC. And this was a great interview. Mario Rees, the great producer, and I went to practice the other day, of course, hanging out. And surprise, we see a bunch of the academy players from LAFC. A whole lot of the young boys that are involved in the academy got a chance to visit over at the training site, got a chance to check out the locker room, got a chance to watch the players, got talked uh, a talk from Bob Bradley. Really cool for the kids. Well, LAFC's academies are in full force. Both the uh, young men and young women's academies for LAFC doing very well. And a massive part of that is Todd Saldana. He runs the academies for LAFC. I got a chance to sit down with him and take a few minutes to talk with Todd. And here's our conversation at practice the other day. Todd, first of all, give us an update of how the academy is progressing this season. Yeah, well, we do, we're in our preseason. We've just started, so the boys are coming off of a, a, almost a month-long break from a very long season in the Development Academy. So we're just back second week into preseason. And how's it going so far? Excellent. I mean, we've added some new talent, so we're feeling really good about uh, the progress we've made. And the boys that are returning uh, have come back with a you know, whole new motivation, and they're, they're playing really well already. Now, you said you've added some new talent. You certainly had plenty of talent last season. Talk a little bit about what happened throughout the Development Academy last campaign. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the teams were, were very successful. We were excited because we've got some very high rankings, and at one point we were, were rated the top academy in the country, which is nice, but, but also most important important is our players, our individual players were getting noticed and we had a really large number going to U.S. soccer training centers, which is a player pool and then also having players invited into the youth national team in their age group. So we're real pleased at their progress. 
how much do John and Bob have an influence on what you guys are trying to do? No, they have a huge influence. I mean, John and, and myself and uh, were here before. We actually had a team, and we just started the academy. And then uh, Enrique and other staff were added uh, to coach the teams. And so, you know, but from the beginning, you know, John had a, an idea on how he wanted to see the team, the first team play. And then when he when when Bob came on as a head coach, we got to see that you know realized. And, and so we we follow what they're doing very closely, and we get input from Bob, and, and John follows our progress, but but also mapped it out what he'd like to see from us. And I come to practice on Tuesday, and I see a, a lot of young kids who look like pretty good soccer players sitting around, uh, kind of in awe, watching practice. How did that come about? Well, we, we we have them in preseason, and they're out of school right now. So we wanted to find a, a moment to bring them over to the the training center. They were here uh, when it was just a you know a skeleton of itself now. So to get them to see it come together is is, is really been. We figure it's an opportunity for them to see their dream up close and personal. And when you can see it, and you you can smell it, and you you know, you can feel it, and you know it kind of makes the dream closer to a reality. And they got to walk through the uh, locker room. I'm told. Oh yeah, no, these guys I think are going to be having some crazy dreams tonight about sitting in one of those locker rooms someday. So now they were they were looking everything to you know what their what what cleats they were wearing, and you know whether their their locker was tidy or or not, or you know even looking at some of the information on the boards and saying, okay, this is what a pro's life is like. I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how do you balance, Todd? Because you want to teach them the game most importantly, but they also have to learn how to win. Yeah, it, it, it is a fine line because if we're only focused on winning, we, we might miss a few details and how we want them to be able to play and develop. So, you know, I, I think because we've got a great coaching staff, we have an amazing group of players, we're going to win our fair share and probably quite a bit. So we're fortunate enough that we can focus on the details. And, and our goal is ultimately to get a player into the first team. Uh, so winning a championship, you know, may help them in, in learning how to be a, a winner and a competitor. Um, but individually, that's really where our focus is at. Todd, keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Todd Saldana, the uh, director of the Academy for LAFC, uh, the young men and women there that play for the Black and Gold, and that's part of our Black and Gold breakdown. They are doing some amazing things already, and you heard how they've been at it for a while now, building this academy. He and John Thorington trying to get it going in the right direction, and indeed, they are. So that was good stuff. That was good to talk to him about that. Got a uh, tweet in from the ace who says, didn't LAFC field seven foreign players? So even minus K, that's still six. Uh, no, they did not. Um, Arena Rossi, uh, Carlos Vela, Laurent Simon, and, uh, and uh, um, I beg your pardon, I'm missing on one there. Uh, Dama Diamande played. But Dejan Jakovic has a uh, green card, and Mark Anthony K, as I mentioned, listed According to LAFC, they got written documentation back from U.S. Soccer that Mark Anthony K was was a domestic player, and on the roster last night, on the actual sheet that is a you know part of the game, uh, it, it lists Mark Anthony K as not an international player. So that would be five. So we'll see. Again, still got to technically sit and wait through the whole process of the of the the protest should be resolved hopefully very quickly, and let's hope we can get that draw going and see where and when LAFC will play Houston in the semifinals. Time now to wrap up the show with our favorites. It's stoppage time. Mario Rees, the host of Stoppage Time. It is brought to you by Puente Hills Chevy. Find no new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry. The San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Say habla espanol. Puente Hills Chevy. Dave, talking about uh, the U.S. Open Cup 
U.S. Open Cup match last night. The vibe, the energy in the stadium was crazy, man. I love to see that many people show up oh. on a Wednesday for the U.S. Open Cup match. That was great. Unbelievable. Man. They had to open yeah. up parts of the stadium for people to fit in you there. Know, Look, it wasn't an absolute sellout, Mario, but it was rocking and it was close. Oh, you know? man, it was <laughs> so great. unbelievable atmosphere. You're hey, Dave, did you right. hear about the accidental fire that started over at Toronto FC's BMO field? I mean, there's video where uh, the Toronto FC supporters, they're throwing Yeah, that was actually in Ottawa. It was actually at the opponent's stadium in oh, Ottawa. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, TFC, actually, Mario, they came mm-hmm. out with a statement basically denouncing it. And a part of the statement here is, uh, I've got it on the uh, their website, quote, yeah. the safety of our fans, employees, and supporters is the highest priority for TFC. The events which took place in Ottawa last night involving TFC supporters were unacceptable and needlessly put the safety of others at risk. And it goes on to say that they're going to cooperate with authorities and they're going to suspend some of the supporters groups that were recognized for doing this indefinitely as they conduct a, uh, uh, an investigation. So that's good news there. You can't have that kind of stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, scary stuff, man. Scary stuff indeed. But what a crazy week it's been. He is Mario Rees. Thanks so much to Mario, the great producer. Thanks so much to Steve and for Michael Funches as well. I'm Dave Dunholm. This has been another outstanding edition of Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710.